0: Hello and welcome to the one-stop co-op shop podcast. Your one-stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez
1: is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories.
0: Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome back to shelf stories and welcome to the one-stop co-op shop podcast. I am your host, Jason. Thank you so much for stopping by for this latest episode of game talk, a unique episode this time. This will not be a game review, uh, we're talking about Descent Legends of the Dark. If you want a game review, please go ahead and listen to the previous episode of the One Co-op Shop. All the guys are going to break it down to the studs uh, of uh, what is Descent, this big old beast that has landed in the last couple of months. Uh, what I wanted to do here was I wanted to take a high-level view. And I, from my previous interview about Earthborn Rangers, I got to know this man uh, who is uh, involved in that project and is involved in the high level of Descent a director, director level, uh, focusing on tabletop and digital. It is a digital integrated board game. So we are going to get the whole 13,000 foot view uh, from this man. Very busy, but not as busy as before, Um, you know, because things have calmed down. But he has uh, been gracious enough to give us some time. Turn on the mood lights. So it looks uh, like looks really fly back there. Uh, But that is enough dithering. It is Andrew Fisher. Welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about it.
0: <laughs> you know, right? Have you done a lot of uh, press? I don't. I don't even know. Like, is that a? Is this a thing that you one does a ton of press for?
1: Um, I, I mean, uh, FFG has been doing a ton of press. FFG has um, a company. I, uh... yeah. Yeah, I, I, am, I am no longer with FFG. Um, obviously, I'm still out there talking about sense and I'm really excited about the project because I was involved through a lot of its development. Um, but uh, I haven't done quite as much. You know, I, I talked about it on Twitter, but I, I, I haven't been doing like the press circuit. You know, FFG's got a marketing department, and like right, right, Cara yeah. and Nathan have, have, have been talking about it too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, we'll get to one of those Twitter threads. <laughs> which is one <laughs> of the reasons why I wanted to get in touch with you. This is it. So this conversation is going to happen in a, a couple of stages. There's, there's such a big game and, You know, I mean, because of COVID land, it's one of the only games, (laughs) unfortunately, like of that big thing. And that may play into towards the end of the conversation, what's going on in the ecosystem and everything. Uh, But it's such a big game. It's such a polarizing game. uh, So much um, issues in the board gaming community kind of got wrapped up in one in terms of this dissent thing. So I was so happy to be able to get somebody who has a a very high level view. Uh, So, okay, so you're no longer FFG, but you are still designer extraordinaire. Uh, developer extraordinaire, <laughs> still steep in the industry. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Cool. Uh, so let's just get right into it. And I'm going to begin with the beginning. Uh, so Descent 2nd Descent uh, Edition came out, I think, I, I, think I, was, I was still like kind of new in the hobby, maybe 2015, 2016. So around there, or was it was a little bit earlier. I think it
1: was a little earlier than that. I, I should really I, ha- I should really have a window up with that. But yeah um it's somewhere 2015 14 15 somewhere in there yeah mm-hmm.
0: i'll probably I'll flash it on the screen <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah. Post. so you It'll can be see that. how
1: wrong we are exactly <laughs> like oh it was like 2011 <laughs>
0: <laughs> i don't
1: think it was but that it, early
0: it wasn't like it wasn't super long ago people who have been in the hobby remember descent second edition they remember oh, yeah. Descent first edition so okay descent third edition quote unquote has been in the rumor for has been in the rumor mode for a long time Right, uh, and every time FFG because it was it was always a big thing at Gen Con, right? FFG, what are they getting announced? This is the year, Third, ed- yes, third Edition. Uh, so then we finally get the announcement, and um, it's a little bit wonky because it's this announcement of a big box game, but it's not called Descent Third Edition. So just start there. Start with kind of like the 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 mind space towards how that came about. How it? Okay, we're going to make a new addition or a new iteration of that descent system but we're gonna kind of take it in a slightly different direction I don't know if you were part of those conversations but tell us what you know about that initial you know launch
1: yeah I was part of some of these you know like at, at the end of the day a lot of this is ffG's issue to speak to right, right. um so I, I I do leave it to them how you know they decide to position that but um I, I can say that like I think anybody who plays it um anybody who who checks it out can see that it's like, it is a different beast than Descent 2nd and even Descent 1st, right? Um, it, it takes the game and it takes the IP in, in a slightly different direction. It's still dungeon crawling, right? But it's, it's very character driven uh, around six specific characters. Mm. It is full co-op. Um, it is, you know, fully app integrated. And now Road to Legend was, uh, Road to Legend, for those of you not familiar, is the um, the app that we released for Descent Second to allow you to play Descent Second fully co-op. Um, so it is similar to that experience, but I think a, a lot of people who play it will understand why. Um, well, it's a Descent branded experience. It's maybe not exactly what you'd imagine from Descent Third Edition, um, okay. and so it, it's kind of carry on, carrying on that legacy, but it is a a different uh, different beast.
0: Okay, so that feel that felt right from the beginning. That felt a little bit off, right? Because Big box of Adventure Minis, first edition, big box of Adventure Minis, second edition, big box of it, third edition. (laughs) And so, like, you know, Aspen was like, no, 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 it's different. And it felt just from the very beginning, just from the very announcement that, you know, it's almost like the the company was telling us what this was and you know we we don't like that like if we see something we want to be able to say you know this is the third we've been talking about this for years why isn't this this so i mean i think and you tell me if i'm wrong um but on on my end kind of looking at the reaction that like just from the very beginning this was like oh what's 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 this i mean what i how is this not a third edition it's a big box full of minis why am i being told something different i feel like i'm being gaslit a little bit you understand that reaction
1: yeah, no, I mean, I don't think you're wrong as evidenced by the reaction, right? Like um, it, like th- there was some confusion also, you know, it, it, FFG, we, we drip fed out information on it, right? Like, you know, it just started with a box tease and then just like, right. you know, a very short trailer, right? right. Box the tease, is...
0: third edition, third trailer, third edition. <laughs> <What>? Well, yeah, <laughs> and, you know, like,
1: pe- you know, and people naturally assumed the third edition, right? Because of the similarities. So mm-hmm. like it, it, there was confusion um, uh, in, in kind of that, that lead up to it. Um, and it's something I think that um, we worked really hard to try to kind of rectify. And I think that the marketing department has done a good job kind of positioning it. Um, but it did take some time to kind of like work through that. And I, I do think you're right that like there was a lot of confusion about what exactly right. is this thing and, and why is it different?
0: Right. And I mean, so what would a third edition? And I know that we're postulating a little bit and I know you're not no longer at FFG, but I guess like what would a third edition look like? You know, if it's yeah, not I, I, this.
1: I mean, I I, I can't I, I can't say specifically, you know, like, right. but like just um, in
0: general, like, well, like, you know, if, I, if we eventually got because we might get this in three E at some point, mm-hmm. uh, yep. you know, I'm looking at the, the Arkham Horror line, right? So like you have Arkham Horror, first edition, second edition, and then it took like a, a half left turn with Eldritch. So like they called it something different, Eldritch, even though it kind of is an Arkham Horror game. And then they then it released Arkham Horror 3 3E, 3E. So it's like, I don't know, like, uh, I I guess it, it, maybe this is just nomenclature, but I'm just kind of like laying out the fan reaction of like, OK, yeah. you' know, you know, and so like, what would a third edition like do differently than a Descent Legends of the Dark? If, what would if if Andrew Fisher was still at FFG and, and could like mold the world and what he wanted to?
1: Well, uh, I mean, like to slightly dodge the question with a slightly different question is like, what is a third edition? Right. Um, yeah. Honestly, like what FFG positions as new editions of the game? Uh, a, a lot of other studios would position as whole other different games, right? Mm. Like there are games that are on like their third, fourth, fifth editions, and like really we're just talking minor updates, errata changes folded in, maybe a graphic design like update. I think Bloomhaven is technically second edition of Bloomhaven, right? Like because mm. the first edition was that first Kickstarter, and and uh, uh, Isaac worked in a lot of changes and up mm-hmm. and enhancements for that second big Kickstarter, and I so I think technically. That's the second edition of Bloomhaven. So mm-hmm. when you're looking at how FFG handles editions, um, you know, like a lot of these editions are almost whole new games yeah. that like get a lot of the spirit, but aren't exactly the same.
0: And share the branding. So, like, like, I mean, the branding yeah. is a part of this. That's, yeah, you know? it, it's,
1: it's branding. Right. And like, you know, Descent, Legends of the Dark still has the Descent branding, right? But mm-hmm. it's not taking that third edition because it's such a different game. So... It kind of dodged the question, but like, what would a third edition look like? Maybe it would have one versus many. I'm not sure, right? And that's going to, in the end, be up to uh, the team over at FFG to kind of decide if and mm. how they did that.
0: Okay, all right. So, I mean, again, parsing out like things that have been, you know, fan reaction, let, letting people process some of this stuff, and uh, so that we can, you know, talk about what's actually on the table, right? Uh, but before yeah. we get there, so also at the beginning, the decision was made. And I'm sure you were not part of the decision, but, you know, you're kind of like implementing this decision uh, to make this deluxe, to like blow this thing out, right? Um, Dissent was never... I mean it was it wasn't like cheapo, like you we're not talking about standees or anything like that, but it was never really like you know comparable to like a Warhammer or like you know, with the the the, the nicest minis and all the you know everything. It was like okay, I got some you know puzzle piece uh, tiles and I got some minis that look decent. Um, and you know, the I think the original box was like I don't know, 80-90 bucks or something like that. So like it wasn't like completely out of the range. Uh, I mean at then, the time
1: though, for descent First at edition, the time, 80-90 yeah. bucks. I remember sitting in the game store and pooling mm-hmm. money. <laughs> with friends to buy first edition <laughs> descent right it was it was a pricey item at the time okay. right we've obviously blown way past that but it was pricey right
0: yeah, okay. We, I mean, so like this, it, it was never for the people. So it's not like we took a thing that was for the people's and went up. It just, you know, so like I guess solidly in the middle, like if it, if we talked about it, like in the middle class, like it wasn't like a sixty dollar game, but it wasn't. It also wasn't like a pandemic. No, no, no like a, a Warhammer with a really aw- like a Game Workshop game. You know, like uh, it's so funny. Oh, yeah, like yeah. I, I put I mean, a these um, games are a
1: whole other. Spectrum. It's a whole
0: other thing. So it's like I, I, so I, I don't know if you saw the video. I did, I, I did a video, um, about. Descent, but the price like you know the price is pretty mm-hmm. high and then i had a lot of uh, warhammer people gaze workshop people going you got to be kidding me <laughs>
1: what are you complaining about yeah, i don't want <laughs> to tell you how many uh i, I don't want to count up uh, how many tyranids i have like oh. it's <laughs> i i don't think any of us want me to, right. to, to count up how much money i've spent on
0: warhammer yeah right <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that could say that <laughs> yeah. anyway um okay so Okay, so I guess I mean it, relatively, it'd be like a middle class thing, uh, and I, people. And I know people didn't buy Descent for me, painting minis, you know that. You know that were the minis were like good. you know secondary to the adventure, right? And then and then it kind of uh, went there. Um, the decision was was to make third edition Descent like this just premium luxury top of the board gaming line product, right? I don't know if it was one hundred and seventy five at the beginning. I think it was a price a little bit lower, and then manufacturing kind of played into that. We can talk about that soon, but there was definitely this a decision made. To make this like super deluxe, the nicer minis, the cardboard, right, the the, the multi layered cardboard, all that kind of thing. Um, yep. Talk about that a little bit. Talk about a little bit how the how some of the internal discussion and was there a. Was there any push-pull? Was it like okay, cool? Should we, uh, you know, do it a little bit differently? Like talk about a little, a little bit about what that went into that deciding to make oh, I mean, it like this. You big know deal. there's a lot of
1: push and pull with that kind of stuff, right? There's right. a ton of people involved in making these decisions, right? All the way from Asmodee to FFG leadership to our producers trying to like crunch the numbers and what we can afford, right? But like from a broad like visioning standpoint, one of the goals of Descent, like, you know, when we're making a product, we try to look at what the strengths of like our team in our studio is, right? Um, and like one of our strengths, to be honest, is like a production team
0: mm.
1: unlike any other, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, one one of the, the beautiful things about like Aspen in North America and all of these talented people coming together is we have like access to resources that a lot of other studios don't have access to. And we have a lot access to a lot of expertise that other studios don't have access to. And so that enables us to bring a quality and like a a premiumness to some of these products that a lot of other people can't. And so it was kind of an opportunity we saw, um, to kind of bring this spectacular experience to descent. Right. Right. Um, and like, you know, admittedly at the time, like, you know, like you said, you know, like, uh, um, and, and we can talk a bit more about price, but like, uh, uh, you know, obviously, we didn't set out necessarily to like, oh, we're going to make a, a game at this SRP, right? But we mm-hmm. did set out to make a very premium game um, because, like, there is a segment of the market. Uh, there are people out there who want a really premium experience, want to, like, you know, like there is kind of that toy factor and that wow factor of, like, you know, you see Descent on the table, it is awesome. I mm-hmm. love setting up that game. <laughs> we would just. We would just set up like we we had just prototype components. We would set up all these different dungeons and stuff. It is it is fun, right? And that's what we're going for. We were trying to capture that fun and that appeal. And admittedly, it's not going to be for everyone, but the people who it's for are going to love it. And so, Mm -hmm. like that was kind of our goal initially. Was we knew we could leverage that strength, and we knew there was a market for people who wanted this more premium, you know, like uh, engaging experience.
0: Mm-hmm. So I, I'm hearing a couple of things, right? I mean, Fantasy Flight, the company, has evolved, right? I mean, the, 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 t- the type of company it was when it was making first edition is not the type of company it is now. Or I, I went when Descent was first, you know, lots more resources, lots more talent in the room. So it's like, okay, like, let's leverage this, you know, to make a, as big bigger product as we can. Uh, and also, um, you know, the market has evolved, and more and more people are just ex- clamoring for this stuff. You know, uh, I mean, it's not a secret. Like you see the people that are pledging all in Kickstarter. It's like, oh, wow, that's a lot of people there. Holy moly. And it's like, there's a market there. And like, we can, you know, we can service that market with, you know, with the best that we can do, you know, that that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, those, those, uh, you talk about those, all, you know, those Kickstarters is like, you know, a lot of them will have like a lower initial pledge value, but like you look at like uh, average pledge level or, you know, like median pledge level, like, they're pushing that number, if not higher. Yeah. Um, And so like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, people are willing to, and like, it's a matter of how it's parceled out. And like one of the things, you know, FFG like probably would have done um, years ago is maybe take this same content and bundle it in a bunch of different blisters, right. And sell it at this markup, right. Like, you look at some of those products that are divided into a bunch of different blisters, you add up the total cost you're paying. It's way more exorbitant because you're paying for all of that separate uh, shipping distribution and packaging. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, it's a lot less consumer friendly, a lot less friendly for the environment because we're wasting all this packaging. And it's a lot less friendly for retailers who have to somehow stock all of these annoying blisters all over their shelves. Right. And like Mm -hmm. keep, you know, when, when they sell blister three out of five, like reorder it and everything, um, uh, selling a singular product with all of that bundled together is more friendly for the consumer at the end of the day. And for the retailer who just has to stock one item.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think some people are going to be, have a little bit of uh, issue with like 175. Who's, who's that friendly for?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. yeah,
0: it's all relative, right. It's all relative. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I guess like, so, I mean, I'll be, you know, perfectly transparent. I think that's, this has an effect, right? I mean, I don't want to go after a single game. And I think that, uh, you know, when I made the video, it was just an example, right? It wasn't like I wanted to go after, you know, the particular games that I mentioned. It's just, you know, there is a trend in the industry. And I think it's almost like a gentrifying effect where it's like we're getting a lot of these uh, premium things and, you know, relative. And, you know, that just tend you know, if you feed a, a high-end market, then that's kind of like just has that effect of, you know, kind of raising prices across the board. So, I mean, I don't know if that's an internal conversation at FFG or anything like that, or if it's just a, a different track of conversation.
1: I mean, yeah, it's definitely something we're conscious of, right? Like, and FFG has li- has one nice one nice thing about a studio like FFG is is they have a ton of different products mm-hmm. kind of going, right? So we, we have games that are able to, you know, sell at this more accessible price point to people. Um, and, like, uh, we have that luxury, whereas, like, a lot of smaller studios might not have the luxury to have stuff in that lower price point and the larger pr- price point. You know, FFG tries to kind of distribute that across, you know, like, so, so that there's kind of games for um, for everyone. Right. Um, but, like, not every game can be for everyone. And so, like, you know, and, and so th- that's some of the, d- the decision. And, like, uh, like we were talking about earlier, Descent First Edition was very expensive in the marketplace when it first came out. So was Twilight mm-hmm. Imperium, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, honestly, Twilight you know, like, oh, <laughs> when when you talk about, like, that kind of, like, raising the bar of what is an acceptable price point, uh, FFG has played a part uh, the whole time. more than once before, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, right. like, uh, yes, this is kind of, like, a fairly high watermark, but like we've seen the likes of Cthulhu Wars, and honestly, like the SRP on the likes of Gloomhaven and Frosthaven aren't that far behind us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, War of the Ring was, I think, like multiple hundreds of dollars. When it, like we've always had the Lux, you know, we've always had, I guess, but I mean, I'll leave the video as a video, which is like, I think it's playing out a little bit differently nowadays. Um, yeah. Anyway, so um, the, uh, do you remember what the SRP originally was? Like, what, what was it thought of? And then things kind of happened um, afterwards.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I can speak to exactly what the original SRP was was planned to be, um, but it did like um, the realities of a lot of changing things um, in the last couple of years uh, did result in where it got set.
0: Mm-hmm. Did that play a role? So as the, the final development stages were happening, the, the, the change in the world were happening too. Like if, we, if people could read the tea leaves and say, okay, we're, you know, materials are going to get a little bit more scarce, shipping's going to get a little bit more pain in the butt. Um, so is there a moment where it's like, okay, we're on this track of making this deluxe game, but prices are going to like super high and, and i and our SRP is going to be go, go up. Uh, is there a, a conversation that happens in the dev team that says, okay, do we need to go in a different direction with some materials? Do we need to, you know, kind of, you know, change this or do this in order to adjust the price or is it like we're just going to make the game and then charge whatever we got to charge like which what, what is the approach there
1: well so like uh when a game's originally concepted we budget out a speculative budget at that point right um and then we kind of rebudget throughout the process to kind of make sure that it's still something that's going to be <laughs> is it's is not going to lose the company money um right. uh um and we're gonna be able to sell at a given srp right and we we kind of test that throughout um, the challenge is when costs of goods start rising during development and mm-hmm. dissent had a couple challenges. So like, obviously we didn't see coronavirus coming, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but like, honestly, this has been a problem before that. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, I think it's called operation national sword or no. Um, wow. this was, I think it's 2016, um, Chinese, uh, recycling law. Yeah, so, yeah, that um, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, so China used to import all sorts of garbage from the rest of the world to recycle um, to create materials. And um, after a, a series of events, it's actually kind of interesting. It all kind of hinges around this documentary that got made in China and like got a lot of attention. Specifically, this shot of like this little girl like in the middle of like this garbage field holding this bottle, and it kind of became this iconic moment. Um, so anyway, they Like we're um, taking
0: the world's garbage. What are we doing? Type thing.
1: Yeah, like you know, mm-hmm. like we are the world's garbage heap, right? And so it like really garnered public attention. Um, And so they stopped importing a lot of this garbage, right? Mm -hmm. The end result was that, this is a while ago, but like the end result was that recycled materials started going way up and started becoming a lot more scarce Mm. um, because, and this led to all sorts of recycling problems here in the U.S. that are really interesting to research. Um,
0: this uh, is fascinating uh, people. There's so, fa- you yeah, know, sorry, what, what I'm happens, in the weeds,
1: but <laughs> it, it,
0: well, I mean, it's, it's, it's affects us because like, we, you know, we want sustainability. We want, you know, we have a bunch of cardboard. So like everybody here has cardboard. We got to figure out what it is. And it's like, okay, we want our site. We want our carbon recycled, but like where it, China was the recycling capital of the world. And it for many, many reasons for the the movie, for how you know, I think there was a whole thing about like, you know, a lot of the stuff wasn't that they were importing what couldn't be recycled anyway because it was like, you know, the pure it was so impure, they weren't doing a good job of it. So like the Chinese were like, what are we doing? And like there was so many like recycle companies and cardboard companies and glass bottlers that were just stuck with all this stuff now. And I mean, what do we do with it? And, you know, so like there was a whole big kind of rumble, like away under the surface thing that people don't have no idea, but yeah. it has an effect. It had an effect on you guys.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, it has an effect on the U.S. right now where right. like a bunch of stuff that you think you're recycling isn't actually going anywhere.
0: It's like most of it's going to the dumb people. Sorry.
1: <laughs> but back to back to games, the yeah. end results back then was that materials got way more expensive. Um, and so we saw this kind of inflating cost. And so we we saw this like curve going up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was something we tried to predict for, like uh, our producers as they did budgets would factor in a certain amount of climb, especially on plastic costs were going up a lot. Um, and Descent uses a harder plastic than we've ever used in a board game before, which, you know, also complicated matters. Um, but uh, so, But we didn't see coronavirus coming obviously and so we have these already inflating costs along with uh, increased cost of materials and freight and everything else caused by the pandemic Mm -hmm. and um, earlier on in the game when you have these kind of things you're trying to predict for these kind of things you can make more fundamental changes you can really cut scope and everything Mm -hmm. later on you get like more and more committed to what the game is and what the experience you're offering is and so when when these kind of changes, when really dramatic changes happen really late in the game, there's not a lot of choice in the matter, right, right. Um, to, to not, like, lose money. Um, and so, like, I can tell you that there were some, as I mean, I think everybody can figure out, there were some dramatic changes to mm. costs of things very late mm. in the production cycle of this game that added, uh, you know, complications to all of this. Mm-hmm.
0: It, it was... Shocking. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, we like, I think because people are, we get the, the word that, like, okay, it's going to come out this, it's going to mess, and people don't really know until the price actually happened. It's like, oh, $175, what am I paying for? Uh, so, yeah. So, I think, you know, I mean, my instinct, I'm, I'm I don't apologize for this. My instinct is like, I'm, I'm a populist, you know, I'm, I'm for the peoples. And it's like, I get that little, like, you know, suspicion whenever something like big happens. But then you go into the weeds and it's like, there's so many things. You know, like the decision to service a certain market and, you know, the, all the rising cost of manufacturing. And you know, there's so many things that come in there. And also, I mean, you know, this is a huge team. Like it has to get paid somehow. So, I mean, this thing has to make money. So it's like, you know, it's not like, you know, as much as I would want to imagine as a populist, like, you know, uh, Asmodee and the hedge fund kind of like, you know, steepling their fingers and going, how much can we soak these people for? It's not quite that easy to think about, is it?
1: No, and like you have to also keep in mind that it's a huge team, right? Like uh, there are a lot of people with a lot of varying opinions, right? And like you know, this is a published game with a lot like writing on it, right? So like you know, a lot of uh, there's there's a lot of people who you know worked really hard on this game who um you know share these exact same concerns, right? They want their work to be as accessible as possible, Mm. want it to be as available and affordable to people as possible. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, there are you know uh, other considerations, and it's a large organization that needs to. Um, make a product that doesn't lose money.
0: <laughs> right. And that, and that's, I mean, is that really, was it close to that? I think at the, at the end of the day, you know, is, it, uh, you say $175 MRP and you get that sticker shop and you get that, like how much money and how much money are they making? Like, is it really, is it the case where like, if certain things go wrong, like the, the margin, the, the margin is actually a lot thinner on that than you would think like, you know, the, oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: I, I think I think people would be shocked at how thin the margins on a lot of board games are.
0: Um, even these games, and I know people oh, think yeah. like you know uh, you know forty dollars or something something is going to have a thin margin, but like even a hundred seventy five dollar game like this is going to have a thin margin. Is that like a fair thing to say?
1: Yeah, it, it, like and a lot of a lot of big Kickstarters actually lose the creators' monies at, at the end of the day, um, and like and it's even more complicated by the fact that. um uh, so, like, I, I kind of alluded this into the, the Twitter thread that, that, that had you messaging me, but mm-hmm. um, so there's a difference between selling through, like, distribution networks and selling direct, um, like, or via Kickstarter, right? So, like,
0: like pre-order they, on the web store would be direct.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. pre-order on web store would be direct. Uh, you, you put in the order, like, we, the game studio, just ship you the game. We right. keep almost all the money except for processing fees and shipping and stuff. Um, or like Kickstarter, you know, Kickstarter takes a fee, but otherwise all the money goes to the creator. So like, you know, um, uh, Earthborn Rangers, the games I've been working on, like, you know, we're selling direct to people through Kickstarter and then through our website. Right. Um, but a game like Descent is distributed. Um, and so that go that means that the, the company sells to a distributor. That distributor then contacts uh, FLGS's, friendly local gaming stores, and sells to them, both Times there is a discount, right. so you know I, I can't speak to exact numbers, but the discount given distributors is significant.
0: Oh, we um, we had a we had a person uh, the previous episode to this one is going to have we're going to break down the cost of the distributor and the wholesaler and all that stuff.
1: Oh yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you go this listen is like to a, that. This like a companion
0: piece to that <laughs> the previous one. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. You can go listen to that episode. So it it, it is it is significant um, uh, that the, the cost that is going there, but the The benefit is that you know um, some of the money is then going to these local gaming stores, which sure. support. I mean, obviously during uh, coronavirus, uh, not that useful to all of us. But you know, uh, assuming we can get everybody vaccinated and right. <laughs> like actually see the world again, um, we're going to be really glad to have them because they're this great source of community um, and like are really valuable to the hobby. And so, and like, and then by extension, distributors really valuable to them because like. Uh, Game store owners don't want to have to order every single game. It's a one-stop
0: shop to order a lot of stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, otherwise you have to employ like a full-time person, maybe more to order constantly keep up with the industry and order all your games. Um, So, uh, so yeah. So, so a game like descent is going to be distributed. All of FFG's games are going to be distributed. Whereas a game like earthbound Rangers, the the other game I'm working on, we get to sell direct, which means that we can kind of change the math on, how we're spending money and like, um, you know, like afford different things, right? Um, And so like that factors big into the cost. Um, You know, like a lot of these big Kickstarter games that are selling and are this point of price comparison Mm -hmm. are selling direct and can afford to spend a bit more or shave the SRP a little bit. Um, If Descent were like only distributing during Kickstarter, its SRP would not be as high as it is. Right. Um, But that's supporting these other parts of the chain and these other parts of the
0: industry. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so I mean, this—that's how we got to at least the what it what it is, like in terms of like the, that deluxe vision, right? So, I mean, there's so much that goes into deluxe vision. It's and, and so here we go, right? I mean, so the word is out. The you know the f the, the team that you're directing has your specs, right? And now go design this thing. <laughs> and, okay, so then a couple of things uh, went into the des- into um, the design. So like the three terrain. Right. Talk a little bit about the decision to go that particular route because it's gotten, that one's gotten mixed reviews, mm-hmm. right? Cause it, it, whenever you do 3D terrain in a board game, you know, it, it causes some difficulty at the table, right? So it's like, I'm trying to reach below something. And, you know, it, it's a very, it's kind of a physical kinetic difficulty for some folks. It's it's a, some people love putting it together. Some people hate putting hate. it together. <laughs> like-
1: well, we did I, we did yeah. test assemblies where we would like just give the punch board to a random employee and be like, try to assemble this. Try to assemble this without guidelines <laughs> at all. And like, you know, uh, that well, the well went through- Oh, there was an iteration of the well that was all circular oh, and God. like uh, Adam Baker, our uh, um, technical editor, I'm pretty sure wanted to throw that thing across a room <laughs> as he tried to assemble it. So we we, we got redesigned. Uh, anyway, the, the 3D train actually right. came apart, uh, about earlier in development. Nathan Hajek was working on the initial design of the game. and. Um, at that point it had kind of the more like modular tiles that weren't as like painted art were instead textured. And so you can kind of assemble things. Um, but we were kind of doing like an overlay type system at the time. Um, and actually one of the graphic designers from the graphic design department came with some, um, what started as just uh, like a, what was, you know, it was going to be like a table or something. And he put little legs on the table and he came with some of this 3d terrain. Mm. Um, and, you know, like, we started kind of looking at this and it added this whole other kind of layer of, you know, visual flair to the game mm-hmm. and ability to kind of see what was going on. Like, um, you know, uh, I love Descent second edition, but like some things can get lost on those tiles. You're like, right. wait, what, like, what color was that outline? Right? Like, oh, that was a dashed purple outline. Oh crap. I couldn't have done that. <laughs> right. Like right. there was no ambiguity here. You could see everything and it was very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kind of verticality of the map spawned from that because we were kind of looking for now that we're doing this um, and what it enabled us to do it, it enabled us to create some like more well people ex play test uh, players expected more kind of verisimilitude to the representation on the table now right because their other terrain is 3d so mm-hmm. like a like oh this is raised up they're like well why isn't it raised up you know like and uh, so okay. So um, like if you raise the table, us...
0: why didn't I raise the bookshelf? Or like there's all sorts of other things, like stairs. Or yeah, what, we're like, or this is a is. balcony
1: overlooking this courtyard. And they're like, well, it doesn't look like a balcony, right? And yeah, like okay. and then it enabled. It us looks like a bench.
0: Why kind of... <laughs> raise the thing? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it enabled us to communicate that verticality in a way we never could. And so mm. it kind of like it was kind of this stepping stone as we saw the the benefits of this and kind of like, well, like mechanically, there's a few. There's a few. There, there's one cool map that I won't spoil that really uses it to a cool effect, kind of midway through the game. I think Kara designed that one, and it's awesome. Um, but uh, there's there's a couple like parts where it might pass over, like on a bridge, or mm-hmm. like there might be a little overlay. But for the rest of it, most of it technically could be flattened down. But like the understandability of the players goes away, mm-hmm. of like what they're looking at. Um, And so, like, the gain might not necessarily be strictly mechanical, but it is, there is a gain in, like, what we saw from player kind of comprehension.
0: Yeah, I mean, in a weird way, like, I know the price, like, takes it above what a lot of players can access, but having that 3D terrain, like, if you can, if you somehow get into the game, more players will play it more players will understand it more players will like you don't have to explain dotted line circle you know wavy line you don't have to explain this. It. like it's, it's all there so it's like you've made like you know it's, it's a shame that it has to come in that deluxe package but the benefits of it are still if you, you know if you're you buy this game and you're playing it with your children they can just walk in and play like it's much yeah. easier Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's different forms of accessibility, right? Like, there is accessibility from, like, that financial standpoint, which, you know, like, uh, I think nobody's of the impression, like, that this game does a great job at, right? Right. Um, But there's accessibility from, like, a learning standpoint from an appeal standpoint there's accessibility from like a representational standpoint of who you see in the game right we'll there's all sorts of other forms mm-hmm. right and so like you know sometimes you you lose on one and we you know we might lost we, we lost on the financial one a bit but i do think we um did well on some of the other forms
0: mm-hmm. yeah so that so Uh, I mean, when you hear that, when you hear like people are having a hard time kind of putting it together or you're having a hard time, like, okay, well, this is, you know, they just did that to goose the cost of whatever it is. I mean, do you have do you just kind of like filter that out in the general mental like, okay, people complaining and it's the Internet or is it like, huh, we could have done something better there?
1: Oh, I mean, you you always try to absorb that, right? Like and honestly, like I think one of the challenges that a lot of people um, struggle with is like how to. I mean, this is this is a classic, you know, creative dilemma, right? How do you filter waves of feedback, all mm-hmm. this feedback? How do you filter out the comments? Like, how do you get the gold out of the chat with the weed out of the chaff? The weed out of the chaff, uh, the of the chaff here, yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> how do you
0: it, pan the gold from the dirt? Because it can yeah, be really
1: yeah. hard to read, you know, like uh, the internet's not known for uh, um, being a super kind a lot of the time. Yeah, or brevity. So it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, and, and so it can be really hard. Right. And so right. like it's a learned skill to learn how to like be able to go out there, read feedback, um, potentially engage with the community and like take away just to figure out what feedback is valuable and what is not valuable feedback and distill that and learn from it. But I can guarantee you like um, everybody at FFG is reading the comments, you know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> to, to some degree or another. Hi, right? FFG, like, if
0: you're listening to this, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sorry, hey, hey, I, I, I blew you guys up. up in the last video.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, you <laughs> know. if anybody else
0: from FG wants to come on the show and talk about some of this stuff, then please come on in. Uh, my door is wide open. It's great. <laughs> I
1: mean, you know, they, like they, you know, pe- people blow up, uh, you know, various games for various reasons. And mm-hmm. so, like, you, you try to learn from it, right? And like I said, like, you know, it's a big team. Not everybody agrees, right? There are there are definitely members of the team who you know probably you know definitely listen to these like complaints and like feel them, a hundred and ten percent with all of the consumers, right? right? Like, um, it's you know like it's it's a large team with a lot of different opinions.
0: Okay, all right. So that was three D terrain. Uh, it, for the most part, the in terms of the accessibility, the pop, it, it accomplished a lot of what he wanted to accomplish. up there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think, like, we're, we're very happy with it.
0: Great. Okay, uh, so a couple more aspects. Uh, the art. Mm-hmm. Lots of comments about the art. Uh, different direction, right? Uh, different direction. Um, I mean, talk a little bit, but, I mean, okay, so you talked about how this was a little bit of a turn in terms of, like, to say first edition and second edition. I mean, uh, the art seemed to signal that this was a different game, just visually the characters and the style and that kind of stuff. Was that intentional? Uh, or or what was the mindset in terms of taking the art in the direction in which you did?
1: Yeah. I mean, like I can't, so that, that is like slightly outside of my department. So like, while I oversaw a lot of development stuff for our purposes, that involves a lot of the like writing game design. Like uh, I I oversaw a lot of the digital stuff, but we have a whole fantasy flight has a whole separate art department Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like uh, kind of visual creative directors. Right. And so like they make a lot of those decisions. So I can't really speak to them exactly, but uh, I can tell you that the, that kind of a new art style for Descent and for kind of Tirannath in general like was an intentional choice, right? It was something that like got concepted. It's that, you know, that kind of flatter style a more muted art palette, uh, not color palette. Um, uh, and that was kind of a, that, that was an intentional choice to kind of move the game forward and help set Tyranoth uh, apart in the market. Um, like, I know, you know, people can wax poetic about a lot of the old Descent art, but I can think of uh, <laughs> quite a few hero pieces that, like, I don't Rose think... Rose-colored glasses, don't people! Behind. I do not yeah. miss that at all. <laughs> there's some, like, there's some amazing art back there, but there's also some bad art, and, like, there's also some, um, frankly, like... What's the right term? Um, not uh, some of that art is not a great look, right. you know, and like we wanted to move forward from some of that and like set kind of a bold new style that when people saw it, they they knew it was descent, um, and so that was some of the goal in it. Uh, like I said. Uh, at the end of the day, a lot of that was on the creative team. And like, I'm sure that they can, uh, people from those teams sure. can speak to it better than I can.
0: Mm-hmm. But, it, but it was discussed like over multiple levels, like the new, we're, we're taking it in a new direction. Like we're we're, yeah, I mean, like, like, we're going to make this look different. If we're going to carry the Descent brand forward, we can kind of change, mix up the brand a little bit with this new style. That was uh, agreed upon across multiple uh, uh Yeah, yeah, it was,
1: yeah. yeah and that was, uh, you know, uh, like... This is a big product, right? Like, uh, very few things happen like on accident. Mm-hmm. Um, right. <laughs> like, well, 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 <laughs> uh, uh, well, a global pandemic may have disrupted, uh, you know, like uh, cost of things a bit. Uh, global pandemic did not disrupt, you know, like art. Well, it did actually up disrupt art in a way, but it didn't disrupt no. art in this specific way. <laughs> you know, like right. a, a lot of this was kind of an intentional choice to, you know, move the game in a new visual direction.
0: Okay. Uh, let's see. What are some of the other complaints about hmm, What am I thinking of that people are complaining about uh, anything- bring, bring
1: me on to error complaints <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even <laughs> work for them. So like, you know, poor Chris Gerber, head of studio is going to watch this and be like, what is Fisher doing?
0: <laughs> well, I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I'm being facetious. It's the app. I've, I've been warming you up. I I've, I've, I've been warming up. So I was like, this is something yeah. that I know you're speaking you speak directly to. Oh, yeah, uh, and directly I'm sure. sure that you have um, I've seen like, you know, the the, the comments from, you know, because you've been a part of the digital team for a while now, you know, and FFG has, you know, since matched the Madness. I think that I think that was like 2016, 2017. So we're talking uh, a little while of, of um, app integrated board board gameplay. Lord of the Rings, Journeys of Middle Earth also had the same app. Uh, Descent now really just <laughs> oh wrote to legend and the Star Wars and Imperial yep, Assault. And- I mean, so many. And technically,
1: yeah. XCOM started it all off. It's a bit of a different beast, but XCOM was our first app-integrated board
0: game. Uh, I could play that game without the app. <laughs> <laughs> I could. Yeah, I think. It's a- yeah, it, you could play that game out of a book. I mean, I, I mean, it was app-integrated. Yes. I should I, I, I say Well, you away need a that.
1: timer. You you could maybe play it off a of CD. You,
0: yeah, you could play like you Space could, Alert. <laughs> yeah, I think like in terms of because that it, it's actually a big distinction for people because you know you get to the you've gotten to this point where it's like you know I cannot play this game without the app like mm-hmm. I cannot. And there's that agenda, right? Um, So, but before I get to the agenda, talk a little bit about like just the development of the app itself. I mean, there's so much that we don't understand about app development, how expensive it is, how it works, how transferable the apps are from different games. So it's like, if you write the underlying code for one, does it transfer? We can kind of like reform things for different games or you start it from scratch each time. Maybe talk a little bit about like just the, the guts of how we get these things in the first place.
1: Yeah, kind of the the engine. So like we, we, we use Unity for development. Um, the the kind of app integrated game engines that started with Mansions of Madness. Um, it was actually funny. Uh, I believe Road to Legend actually came out right before Mansions, but mm. it was actually a derivation. Mansions was the, the creation of this engine and then we adapted it to, to Descent while Mansions was printing and everything. And so Descent actually, Road to Legend actually came out a little first, but it was originally okay. developed for that. So that those code libraries... Um, Kind of, we call it this engine, but it's a layer on top of Unity, and um, that permutations of that basically made Road to Legend, made uh, um, what's the Imperial Assault app called? Oh my God, the Imperial Assault app—that's what it's called. (laughs) (laughs) Rebel, (sighs) oh, anyway, the Imperial Assault app, (laughs) um, and then uh, Journeys Middle Earth, um, all kind of were permutations of that engine. Journeys Middle Earth probably saw the largest. Change of it because it came. Uh, uh, Mark Jones our, uh, uh, wrote a bunch of procedural generation stuff for all the maps, and so that that saw the creation of this whole procedural engine on top of it. But uh, it was creaking; it was creaking long before Journeys of Middle Earth. And Journeys Middle Earth, like it was bursting at the seams, and mm-hmm. so we kind of needed a redo. And so we did on Descent. So Descent uses. Um, it still uses Unity, but it, otherwise it's an entire kind of fresh retake on this. And that's uh, Descent Features an Undo System for the first time in any of our apps. Um,
0: One thing that people shouted out was like, thank goodness I can undo this stupid thing. I'd have to re- reset the whole adventure in order to play this game. I,
1: I our, our software engineers would be very glad to hear that because... No, no, know, no it it was...
0: that, is, that has been a really well-received feature, that, that Undo feature. So
1: it, for reasons I don't want to bore people with it was basically an impossibility in in the old engine um but it is we are able to do it in the new one uh and there are a lot of other quality of life improvements the our our back end was greatly improved so a lot of the content is created by the tabletop developers through a visual scripting language which uh, for people who aren't familiar it's a lot of like creating boxes and linking nodes. And so it's a lot less like physical scripting. Now, some of them did roll up their sleeves and do some scripting. But a lot of it is uh, somebody who isn't that familiar with scripting can kind of like go in and create these things. Don't get me wrong, it's not easy. It's still like wildly complicated. But we we had a whole new visual scripting plugin that enabled them to do a lot more powerful stuff. Which came with benefits and trade-offs. So anyway, um, so, so Descent was... what are some of those was, trade-offs? That's interesting. Um, uh, Descent was this brand new kind of code library for the app integrated engine and is way more powerful and uh, clean as a result. Um, and I, I think that'll show as Descent is supported over the coming years. I think you'll definitely see um, the strengths of this kind of new code
0: base. Mm. So what are some of the trade-offs uh, that you were mentioning before?
1: Oh, so... Uh, well, I mean, with great power comes great responsibility, right? <laughs> uh, when, you know, like when things are more restrictive, they're easier because there's fewer variables to mm. screw around with. Um, and so, like, you know, if I'm designing a, a level, and uh, mansions had a lot of power, but uh, the our, our digital development department specifically cordoned off and stopped the developers from using a bunch of stuff. The developers being me at the time, I, I wrote a bunch of the Mansions uh, original scenarios. And so w- you're working with a lot of very limited tools. And so you have to kind of get creative on how you do things. Mm. It means that like, oh, I don't have access to you know these kinds of variables, or I can't alter them in this, this way. And there's all sorts of things that I might want to do from like programming experience that I can't actually do. But as a result, there's a lot fewer ways for me to hang myself or for me to, uh, or and just a lot fewer things for me to have to fill in, right? Like now, uh, Descent is maximum power, right? Like the developers can do all sorts of custom things, which I think people will see as they play through these various quests. There's a lot of like different custom interactions that developers can create. But when you're a developer, now you have like all these different variables that you have to like make sure are all correct, you know, fill in every time you create it, make sure they're all correct, and like all sorts of opportunities for bugs to crop up and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot more power, but you also have a lot more opportunity for uh, stuff that needs to get QA'd out. And so a- as a result, uh, it can make it it gives it allows us to create cooler things, but mm-hmm. makes creating it a lot more labor intensive.
0: Mm-hmm. So we'll get to the creation of cooler things. That's that's the next one uh, uh, in a in a minute. But like like this was a new thing, right? and so with new things like uh, Andrew um, Navarro talks spoke, spoke about this in the previous episode that we did together, like alluding to the cost. Like people just don't realize how expensive these things are. So then, like, how does that work in with the pricing? Is that is that one of those things where, I mean, it's it's almost impossible to like pay for it with one product so to speak. Is that kind of what we're talking about here? Like, it's possible. Like, you, you make it, but then it, you you have it in mind that it has to be multiple games. We'll have to be subsidizing it from, like, other areas of it. Is that the kind of thing we're talking about here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, the, the cost
1: of this kind of digital development. So, like, video games get away with it because of volume of sales. Mm-hmm. They sell way more copies than board games sell. Like, right. even the best-selling board game you know, like, doesn't hold a, you know, a, a candle to like, uh, is that the phrase? It, it can't compare to like Fortnite, right? right? Obviously, that's a big one. But like, even if you look at like, even indie studios on Steam, and yeah. their numbers compared to board game numbers, they're not yeah. incredibly like that, comparable. Like a, a
0: Steam game will be selling like 100,000 copies. And it's like, all right, you know, that, that that was okay. And then in board gaming, it's like, oh my god, 100,000 copies, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, it, it, yeah. Exactly, and margins are wildly different between the two industries as well. So right. the the end result is that digital development, uh, being sold like a board game, is challenging, and there's a reason you haven't seen like more of it, right? There's a reason you don't see like Hearthstone level production values. Uh, I don't know. Why I pulled it. Hearthstone's a slightly uh, outdated reference at this point, but uh, you don't see those kind of production values that often. Mm-hmm. in something that's directly associated with physical product that also has to sell. And mm-hmm. so fantasy, a place like Fantasy Flight will rely on like you know the game line kind of slowly subsidizing all of the costs of this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like yes, they're still working on the game and still supporting the game, but there's a big upfront cost, right They were working, I think we started on that descent engine, the, the engine that would fuel descent. You know, like years ago, right? Like Mm -hmm. it was. It's been. It was a long time uh, that that architecture was first being built.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I. So we're. It's a huge undertaking, and in terms of like you know, this isn't the same thing as Candy Crush, right? So like you know, we could sell it at three dollars. Like I mean, there's a whole lot of money there, and it's it's across multiple products that this thing is getting paid for. So uh, just kind of helping people understand that.
1: And it adds a whole separate layer of QA too. That's one thing like board game testers, our, 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 our board game testers do give us a lot of quality feedback on the app, right? That we use, but like software QA and like game QA are very different disciplines. Right. You can't expect somebody who's going to give great feedback on like competitive LCG balance to also be able to figure out weird software QA bugs about like hitting the same button 20 times in a row, right? Things like Mm -hmm. that. And so, you know, we have to pay for all that QA, like software development is like this whole other beast.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, So I think that, sorry to hit you with the criticism, man, but (laughs) it's a good way to kind of think through it. Uh, (laughs) hope you get it. Um, So I think there's two main ones uh, that come up. So the first one I actually felt and I felt it more in Lord of the Rings Journeys than anything. And it's kind of kind of my difficulty with the game overall. I definitely felt like, they, they, I feel like there's a balance between how much am I paying attention to the app and how much am I paying attention to the board, right? And for me, I felt like Lord of the Rings Journeys kind of drifted my attention a little bit further into the app. There was a lot that was in, that was tracked in the app. So like a lot of gamers will say, I just want my app to keep track of stuff and let Mm -hmm. me free be free to like do that but that's a it's a it's an art more than a science because like you know you say like okay tracking well um now game stuff is getting it floating in then it's hard to tell kind of difference right so i guess like you know uh, do you think of it that way or does the team do it think about that way in terms of attention like how much do we want the players to pay attention to the app versus the board and how did that play out in descent
1: yeah, absolutely. That is something that the developers think about a lot. Um, I think that we we struck a balance we really liked back in Mansions of Madness, um, with the exception of like maybe the puzzles, which were kind of this holdover oh, from first the editions. Um, <laughs> the puzzles. Oh, my God. oh I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, the... Uh, interactive departments, the software developers would feel the same way, uh, though they were fun to work on. They're the whole a separate, you know, you had to design a whole separate mobile game that plays inside of mansions.
0: I really, sorry, a total tangent, but let me get it off my <laughs> chest. Like I would be like the low intelligence, like gun toting guy. Uh, and then I would get like an intelligence puzzle and I don't get like one much. move. Yeah. <laughs> Why people don't just want to give this off to the scientists. He's in the third room. He's not in the third room. He's sitting right next to me. You do it. Oh God. I, Anyway.
1: sorry <laughs> <laughs> i i mean i like them as like a creative outlet for you know that action point sync but they as far as like attention to the app goes in that conversation they maybe yeah. work but otherwise we liked the balance mansion that struck a lot um journeys had a bit more text uh that mm-hmm. drew people into the app a little more descent definitely leans more app heavy and mm-hmm. to your point it's an art more than a science. I think I talked a bit about this. I did a GDC talk uh, on kind of a post of a mansions of madness for people who are curious. It, it, yeah, you sure. have to put up with me umming and eyeing through the whole thing because I'm not much of a public speaker, but... Doing I, great I do, so
0: far, my friend.
1: <laughs> but I, I, so I talk about it a bit there about striking that balance. Um, it's at the end of the day, it's, it is more of an art and it is kind of personal preference and it is up to the game, but it's very easy the digital side can be very tempting mm-hmm. um, because some of its the strengths of the, the digital side are its ability to hide information from the players, which is really appealing for creating surprising narrative. And the, one, of the, one of the other big strengths is hiding complexity, is the ability to do very kind of complex, interesting things that a board game couldn't do without being just burdensome. Mm-hmm. And so there's this temptation to kind of use it for a lot of those things. And so I think Descent cleaves more towards using the app than our past games have. But the trade-off there is it gets to do a lot more exciting things than our past game have. And there's a lot of like cool progression and stuff that is handled for you by the app. So is more approachable from like a learning standpoint, but also uh, deeper. And so. Yeah, so, so it, it's it's definitely something um, the developers think a lot about. I think an interesting a more micro example is the attack sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this was a, a victory for how we interact with the app. Um, we One of the things we, we try to do, th- that moment, how much of the game is in the app and how much is outside is a little less important than this thing in the talk I call interfacing, which is the time that you are inputting data into the app and the time the app is inputting, outputting data back to you. Mm-hmm. Those are the times that feel burdensome to people because you have somebody staring at a screen and everybody else is waiting for them. Mm-hmm. So we try to find ways to break the system into the two halves of the game in ways that reduce interfacing and make interfacing as seamless as possible. So things like the dialogue, uh, the the interfacing is pretty heavy there because somebody has to sit there and read it. So like in that place, you know, the interfacing is a, a, a bit more aggressive and in your face. But on something like the attack, you can see a lot of complexity and interesting interactions on your board and how it interacts with the dice and allows you to like, you know, change things around and do complex, cool things and have your little engine. But at the end of the day, what you're actually inputting to the app is very simple, mm-hmm. right? It's an end result, just like a, a, basically a number slider and maybe a condition. And then the app does all sorts of complex things with the weapon part that you have equipped in the app and like is able to do all this interesting stuff. But, and then it outputs a simple result that tells you like how, you know, what happens to the monster and maybe an instruction or two to do on the board. Mm-hmm. So there we have all this cool complexity on your board, all this cool complexity in the app, but your actual time spent with it is is very simple. And so mm-hmm. I think there is a really good example of a victory in like, you know, and this is something that Nathan and Kara spent all sorts of time trying different versions of, you know, like finding cool combat systems, but realizing that the interfacing is just too high mm-hmm. and, you know, iterating on and iterating on. And they, they came to this one, which I think was a, a big success. And I think the places people feel the app more are when that interfacing is a bit more heavy. And like I said, like, I think, you know, dialogue is one of those and, you know, spending time in town and in the crafting system can be another. And that's mm-hmm. a trade-off that we choose to have benefits that we wouldn't be able to have otherwise.
0: So then, I mean, okay, so the dialogue and town stuff, that's not adventuring, right? And I don't think yep. when people sit down and descend, you know, most people, I don't th- I think they're there to like don't you know, chuck dice and, you know, have the exciting part with the monsters. Um, I think so that you could think of it in terms of like time, like, okay, I'm spending the X amount of time here, I'm spending the Y amount of time here, that equals 100 or whatever. Or you can think about it in terms of like exciting moments, like how much of, how much of the excitement. You know the the dice roll and the the door opening and the you know so uh, is there? Did do you feel like you've kind of gave that had a good um, balance there, and do you feel like players are going to be excited in terms of like okay when the, the exciting moments are going to happen on the table people the, this isn't just an app type thing?
1: Yeah, I mean like, admittedly, one of the most exciting moments in a comp, very combat focused game like this is the the hit right like right. you know did I get them you know. And that dulls output out of the app, but like, I think at the end of the day, um, in, you know, we do a lot of blind testing, we do a lot of observation of players. At the end of the day, I think the interfacing is minimal enough at that exciting moment to not be any different than somebody drawing a card. Right? Mm-hmm. Like it is, you, you're effectively drawing the card that is your phone screen. Your phone screen shows all the information you need to have. Um, other exciting moments, like we, you know, we have some like big narratively exciting moments like cinematics and stuff, uh, those are, uh, are more app focused. Um, but like, one of the things uh, that the 3D terrain does for us is it brings kind of spectacle to the board. When you unfurl that new cool place, you build that new pool, cool place in front of you. And so um, I, I think that, like, like I said, I, I think that the balance between tabletop and app is a little more heavy into the app. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are people out there who don't enjoy apps and games, and that's fine, yep. right? That is, like, you know, there, there are a ton of other games that don't use apps that, like, you know, like, our goal is not to bring apps to every board game. Our goal is to, like, make this one unique experience. And it's not going to be for everybody, but it is for some people. Mm-hmm. And, like, and so... uh yeah, and so we're yeah, excited I mean, I to bring think, it to those people. Yeah.
0: Okay. So then I, that, that'll bring me to the second criticism. And I and I'm, I'm filtering out the, the the useless ones. Like, oh, I don't want apps in my board game. Now like, come on. <laughs> this isn't everybody. This is not everybody. Uh <laughs> they're not every game, exactly. Like, there's plenty, plenty of games without it. Plus, apps and board games are so expensive that like we were so af- we were so afraid that like so many um board games are gonna have apps, maybe in like the mid 2010s. And it's like these are expensive, so like, no, <laughs> we went in a different direction. Um, but there is that idea of that eventually the app will no longer be supported, and my game will no longer work. When I buy a board game, I want to be able to play with my children and my grandchildren. Very rarely do we, but that's what we want. <laughs> Your board game board gamers, when we when we buy our box, we want to be able to at least conceptualize that we're going to have it forever and play it forever. And so there's this idea that like, okay, when they support, like, let's say this, let's say I really love Descent Second Edition, are they going to stop supporting Road to Legend? Am I, is that going to be just like a thing that won't work on my device anymore? And now I have all this Descent 2e stuff and, pfft, and then will that happen to my $175 game for Descent um Legend of the Dark? So, you know, it, it, does that get internalized and how do you respond to that?
1: Yeah, I, that, that is something that, you know, has come up with all of our app integrated games. It came up very heavily with XCOM. I mean... One thing I talked about in the GDC talk is, like, Mansions, I think, faced some of the largest backlash uh, coming from a first edition that was not app integrated. Like, I think Descent is probably approaching it, but, like, I think Mansions still had more backlash before it released than -hmm. even Descent did about this very subject, right? And, like, here's the thing. Yeah, like, I'm not going to tell you that this app's going to be around forever. We all know it's not, right? Someday. This app will no longer be playable. <laughs> it is in Fantasy Flight's best interest, and everybody there is invested in making these as playable as long as possible, right? There is a long tail of support. There's a whole team there who is, you know, working to support all these games, mm. and so you know they're going to try to keep these games playable as long as possible. And hopefully, you know, someday, you know, the, you know software rot and like preserving video games from software rot is like a whole genre of internet community. And I hope that these games get picked up by them someday, right? But, like, yes, one day they won't be Mm -hmm. like, you won't be able to download the app for your game. Um, And that's, you know, that, but that is true of of, of a lot of other products. Mm -hmm. That is a lot, that is true of a lot of other software. Um, Like, there are a lot of products that have like a limited lifespan. And like, I can assure you that Fantasy Flight is dedicated to keeping these supported as long as possible, right? Like um, they, you know, they want these to be playable for all eternity if possible. Um, so they're, they're going to have like a long life, but yes, one day they right. will not be playable.
0: I mean, I guess it goes into, uh, and this is a little bit more of a sophisticated version of the critique of like a planned obsolescence type deal where it's like, okay, I'm going to hook you into something. And But this something has an expiration date and, you know, we can monkey with that expiration date. So it's like, you know, Apple gets in trouble with this a lot of like, you know, you know new iPhones every year, new iOS every year. How, how much length, you know, do you really have with the battery? So like that thing's going to let, you know, run out way sooner than you really want it to. So you got to buy the new thing. So then, you know, you look at an app integrated game and it bec- it's, it can become a lever to kind of get people hooked into that planned obsolescence thing. So it's like, okay, I'm going I'm to play Descent, uh, Legends of the Dark, going to play it for five years. And then, oh my God, that they have you know, six new products. Uh, this one no longer works. I'm gonna have to get pushed to the six new product. I know that's a little bit cynical, but like that's playing into you know what people are thinking when it comes to this like new front, this new scary frontier of app integration. So no, it will not run out like in six months but there's a larger thing and it is these kind of things do happen in like other fields of text. It's like, it's not just like, well, we're going to support it as long as possible. There's this like planned aspect to it. I'm going to get pushed to another product and I'm going to spend more because I can no longer play the previous thing. So, I mean, I don't, I, I know you can't like speak to that whole thing, but just, uh, I, I guess I almost wanted to just verbalize it and get some like musings. <laughs> yeah, I no, I mean, like
1: uh, I, I totally hear that. Right. Like in, in a world where, you know, like, you're, you know, what, what device was it the other day? I was using some device and, you know, you, you kind of have this suspicion, like, did they plan this and so have to buy a new one? Right. I feel that. Um, I mean, like the best I can do is, is assure you that like I'm not I'm not with FFG anymore. So like I could just, right. you know, blow them up if I wanted to. But the fact that there is that nobody there is interested in that.
0: And like, I think that's what people want to know. Like at the end of the yeah. day, you can tell us that, you know, the intention is that there's a team there that is hearing people and cares about that and will work to give this thing as long a life as humanly possible.
1: Oh yeah. Like that a, a, yeah. Th- there is a, a portion of the um the interactive team just dedicated to support on our games. Um like I I don't know. When exactly the last patch was, but like we are still actively supporting Road to Legend, right? Like um, the Descent Second app, you know, like and ongoing, they will, mm-hmm. they are continuing to support the Descent Second app and have interest in keeping it alive as long as physically possible. Like if Plan Apps, if this fear were like, you know, this would be a perfect time to kill Road to Legend, to send people to Legend of the Dark, but that's not what they want to do, right? Mm -hmm. Like, people, like, Descent Second is an awesome game. There's a ton of awesome product for it, right? Just a ludicrous amount of product (laughs) for it, right? right. Like, and we want people to keep playing that. We want people to keep loving Descent Second Edition. It is not dead. And, like, you know, they are going to, like, you know, it's funny because, you know, this is, you're going to get my slight rant here, but, like, people, you know, like, these same people who are worried about, like, the obsolescence of this game or it dying, as soon as a new edition of a game is announced, they, they declare that the old edition is dead. No, I'm throwing away my second edition
0: now. I might as well just throw it all away. Yeah. It's all garbage. Second edition is dead. Right. No,
1: second edition is still a great game. <laughs> I have shelves of it. I have every single second of dead product back um, back in my basement. And like, you know, Road to Legend is still a great game and it is still there. And like, th- it is the goal of Fantasy Flight to keep it there. As long as they possibly can, um, so mm-hmm. I, I can I can guarantee you that there is no planned obs- obsolescence uh, okay. in in any of this. the The, the goal, like th- these, are all creative people who are just like want to make something unique and interesting. Mm-hmm. And like oftentimes, unique things are going to have some things in the con, con, cons column. They're not going to be perfect mm-hmm. for everybody, but I think they're going to bring something new. And I I do think that FFG has accomplished something. with this app integrated game line with that. All
0: right. Uh, So actually, uh, I know you've been wanting to talk about this one, too, because you did the the thread about this. And this links with the app stuff, and it is the scenario design, Mm. right? And the approach to scenario design. So um, this was off of uh, Efka from No Pun Included, love following his Twitter, where he was ranting about uh, quantity and quality. Right, so you know um, the the idea being like, okay, he doesn't want to be called a content creator because content is about quantity. Quantity is about stuff, just like just stuff, stuff, stuff. And I did an interview on my own show with the space ship talking about stuff. I can't stand the term content creator either because of that sense of like I'm just putting out stuff versus quality. So you know, quality, whatever that is, it's such a, a, a a. a weird thing to define but like you know the idea that it matters what i do and 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 how cool is it and how interactive is it how much value does it, does it bring to the person that matters as opposed to just the stuff so then in the context in that context you responded and it's like you compared you know gloomhaven is 96 versus um descent i think it was like 16, yeah, somewhere 16 that? or 18 something like that yeah okay 16, in the teens
1: i think 16
0: <laughs> Somewhat right. I should have, it, I should have this up. I yeah, you know, right? high teens. Um, that's you know people and and that that became one of the, the points of criticism where it's like we we're getting all these scenarios in this other game and we're not getting nearly as many scenarios in this game. What are we paying for? Uh, so then you came in and you're like okay, well that's a, a content quantity mindset, and you kind of went from there. So maybe you can talk about, a little bit about uh you know elaborate that critique a little bit for our audience.
1: Yeah. So uh, absolutely. Right. And like, it's so hard because some of these words have like all these different definitions, right? Like when we say quantity over quality, right? Like it's not implying that that one is better than the other, but right. like, so uh, Gloomhaven has, yeah, like Gloomhaven is a comparison and actually like, you know, it's, it, it is on our minds when we're making a game like this, um, along with all a bunch of other dungeon crawlers in, on the market. And like, you know, we did compare the numbers and we looked at the numbers, right? Um, But the numbers are only one metric. And that was kind of the point of my Twitter thread is that like, yes, you can just compare the numbers, 96 or whatever to like 16, right? Oh, 96 is better than 16. Right. Um, Except they're they're so different. So, and that was kind of part of my point is that like um, Gloomhaven's, so Gloomhaven's great. I love Gloomhaven. I've played a ton oh, Isaac, of games. I hope you
0: I hope you're watching this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I love the game. Uh, I have I'm <laughs> excitedly waiting for Frosthaven, my copy of Frosthaven to arrive. Uh but like its scenarios are like their strength is in being procedural combat arenas, right? Like they are spaces, and a lot of the int- there are spaces with monsters in them. A lot of them, the interest comes from different monster mechanics and how those different monster com- mechanics come combine and how you are figuring out this optimization puzzle with how you spend your turn. It's mm-hmm. a great game.
0: And the environment. So like the spatial aspect to it. So if I put yeah, this yeah, and pit like, fiend in a hallway and if I put the pit fiend in an arena and if I put the pit fiend with a thing in front of it, those are three different scenarios. I yeah, haven't yeah, really and done and like, anything. How, right. uh, how
1: are these tiles shuffled around, right? right. But it's, it's this different spatial puzzle. Um, and so because of this, you can create 96 because they're all kind of created from these same kind of building blocks to just rearrange the puzzle. Descent's uh, quests, on the other hand, are these hand authored experiences where you effectively have like Amuda or Kara or Brandon or Nathan (laughs) there with you, GMing a game for you, an Mm. RPG for you. You get hand authored story, you get branching choices, you get custom designed mechanics and like objectives. All right, like Gloomhaven, most of the objectives are fairly straightforward, and some of the ones that have like, a more compli- complicated objective are often horribly broken by certain characters turning invisible and you know, right. getting it going across the map. Um, it does really well at the combat arena, but str- struggles sometimes on other things. So Descent does really well at telling the story and at creating this every moment is kind of unique and feels like somebody is game mastering you. Um, Mm. And so it is a very different experience and a lot more labor-intensive experience. Um, So like, and part of my point in the Twitter thread is like, we could have made the choice when we're making Descent to make systems that enabled us to quickly make lots of different variants and have, like we could have made hundreds of quests for Descent if we wanted. But Descent would have had, had to be a very different game with systems that enabled that kind of just fast procedural creation of lots of different combat arenas or whatever Mm. we made. And it'd be a very different game than it is. And it would be a game that's a lot closer to Gloomhaven. And here, and like, you know, getting back to talking about making unique things, we already have Gloomhaven. It's already great. We're about to have Frosthaven, which I hope is going to be even better. And like, (laughs) and so we don't need Descent to be Gloomhaven. We need Mm -hmm. Descent to be this other thing. And so this other thing has, you know, a lot of, Fewer quests, but every quest is offering these really unique experiences. And so, like, measuring it just by number is a little like, isn't kind of showing that. And I think that, like, I think that games that offer a ton of content are great in their own regard, but we shouldn't compare, we shouldn't measure every game that comes out by the amount of content it creates, because then we're just going to create one type of game. The type of game, like, you know, you see a lot of on Kickstarter, right? Tons of content and we're going to miss out on these other experiences. Like, like uh, Twilight Struggle would not have, you know, like it doesn't stack up great on amount of content, you know, number mm-hmm. of different varieties of scenarios or anything, but it is an amazing game. And so uh, that was kind of the point of my Twitter thread. And so like, I think when you take a look at the Sense 16 quests, um, it, it seems like a smaller amount, but like the differences are in like the moments and the types of moments you get and in the variance on like replaying and choices mm-hmm. and branching. And, you know, like it, it, it is going to be continued to supported, And there's going to be lots of new content that builds and uses the the stuff you get in your core set. And so um, I don't think comparing that direct number is uh, mm-hmm. actually that good of a comparison at the end of the day. I mean,
0: what you, I think what you said, which really got me excited was because I'm an old DD head from head. That's that's how I really got at the game. So like uh, and, I, and I, so many games, the adventure games promise uh, a DD experience on the board, right? <laughs> and you know, and we what well, we end up getting is something closer to Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven is um, is very good because it leaned in the hardest. It didn't, it didn't say, it didn't bother saying that you're gonna get this DD experience on the board. No, you're gonna get like 96 p- spatial puzzles and you're gonna have fun moving through spatial puzzles because you're gonna get cool characters and all that kind of stuff. We're not, you know, it's not promising, you know, DD on a board and giving me something else. Like Descent is really trying to give me that, it's really trying to like have that app feel like a dungeon master. Um, so I'm, I'm cool with that and I can't, I haven't, I've not played it and I'm, I'm, I can't wait for that. So I think in terms of the replayability, I think, you know, that, that because a word that's thrown around a lot, replayability, um, I'm not going to go back and descend and play one through 96 again or like, Oh, go through those branches. Will I want to play descent those 16 scenarios again with different characters? And will I get like different experiences or is it like really, or is it still like a once through, and you know getting like I'm gonna I'm just gonna really enjoy those 16 scenarios
1: I I mean like I think it depends on the player some players are the once through type players right honestly I'm kind of a once through type player I, I play something with a, a wild amount of variance I still only play it once uh you know I I never replayed mass effect uh mm. I, I just played my one playthrough I have my one shepherd and that's my <laughs> shepherd right um, and, I and have so, Paragon
0: I, and Renegade Shepard I, was, I wasn't oh, going to yeah. lose out on that <laughs>
1: Oh, Renegade's so mean though I couldn't be Renegade Renegade oh. Shepard's an <laughs>
0: Renegade Shepard well actually a total sidebar but I really want to complain about this Renegade Shepard <laughs> the way they designed that stupid game and maybe they fixed it with the remake but like Renegade Shepard uh, the choice was always to kill somebody like you know do you set them free you kill them and then by the time you got to the end Mass Effect of, of, of 3 it was all the thing everyone's dead so like you didn't have any choices anymore. Have
1: no characters. I have no characters
0: left. <laughs> There's nothing there. I'm doing my Paragon run. And it's like everybody's there. And I'm like, you know, resolving all these storylines. And the, this one, they forgot to replace the characters <laughs> with other ones. Sorry. So, <laughs> no, but I mean, I that's my yeah. type of game, right? That's my type of game. Uh, yeah, so, and, so some,
1: yeah, so some people might not want to replay, but I think others will. Uh, and I, I there, there there is some variance in like how each of these play out. There is like a virtue system. The virtue system for each character kind of it is a bit like um, Paragon Renegade, but like a lot a bit more nuanced than that, where it's kind of like these two different identities, right, for every character and how the different characters mm. swing in their virtues changes the outcome of their story and how their story interacts with other other stories um, to that content comparison thing, number of characters, you know, Descent obviously only has six compared to um. Uh, you know, Descent Seconds. I don't know how many we had in the end. I, I This is, again, stats. I, don't even get I, got I got the, It's lots. <laughs> yeah. It's lots. Mm-hmm. Um, but we only have six, but they are like each one is like the complexity of a whole class from Descent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, you know, like they you, you can build them in all these different innumerable ways. And then they have these uh, a lot more kind of hand authored stories specific to them that are going to carry across across the game and have these branching mm-hmm. narratives. And so, like, you know, Some people are going to want to see the other side of that character. They love some players are going to want to see a character that they didn't even have. They didn't even play through, you know, they, they just took Cyrus on his, like the, the couple quests that require him to be there and and never used him again. And this time they really want to see everything that has to do with him. And so like, I think there's meat on the bones for people who want to replay.
0: Mm -hmm. And the last part, uh, okay. I want to keep you too, too long, but I think we've hit most of the uh, things is the characters. You seem to be really excited. About yeah. the way that you the characters develop. That is not something Descent is known for. You know, Descent is known for, get, you know, look, look, hold me back. Don't hold me back. Just give me the dice and let, let me ch- hit some monsters. Uh, and the, the characters are almost like a violence delivery system. They weren't actually, you know, like things I was interested in. Uh, but Descent, um, Legends of the Dark, seems to really invest in the characters. Was that something that came in early on? You know, was that something like, okay? and in terms of the type of experience I want was like, this is something I really want from the very beginning or did it kind of emerge along the way?
1: Oh, yeah. No, that that came from very early. I think it was in Nathan's original vision that we sat down and like visioned it, um, visioned the game. And, you know, that's an early process where we're kind of figuring out what the game is and getting it approved Mm. by everybody and like, you know, figuring out what uh, what we want it to look like. Um, focusing on characters was something we wanted to do here specifically for storytelling initially, but it enabled us to do some really cool things design wise too, from like a very mechanical standpoint. Like I said, each character is about the complexity of like a class, honestly, mm-hmm. probably even more than a c- class from descent second edition. They have this, a bunch of cards, um, and they have access to this whole unlockable bevy of cards. And like in, uh, Second Ed, you know, you grew your board and uh, if it, um, by the end of Second Ed, your board is this wild engine of a bunch of mini cards and you're trying to remember mm-hmm. all your triggers and stuff. Uh, this has a, a lot, this cleanlier system that kind of has slots and you you kind of choose from your big array of cards each mission on which ones you want to slot in, but then you have all this complexity on like which side and like flipping them and preparing them and like managing your tokens on mm-hmm. them. and um, then each character was specifically designed. Kara did a bunch of the character designs and like she's really good at this kind of mechanic, you know, making these mechanics where each one feels really different. And so each one has kind of their shtick and their own feel and like their, uh, I, think, I, I think the game really succeeds in, in how mm-hmm. the different characters play and how the different characters feel.
0: I almost wish that the marketing would have led with them, you know? Mm-hmm. So, that, so that would have been, that would have told me this was a different game. Well, that would have told me that this was a, in a, you know, you could, cause you could do that. Like you can, you know, have a, a character feature and, you know, by, you do your app, you know, whatever animations and they can like, come back doing their thing. If they're a Ranger, they're shooting their bow to do one thing. And, uh, you know, introduce that character. I almost wish that was foregrounded a lot more. Cause I, I didn't know until we, until I really looked into the game that it was, this was so much more character driven, so much more RPG inspired than the scent, which is the second edition, which feels more like a Diablo, like a, you know, like a, you know, just, just, you know, fat loots and, and run. So I don't know, like, I mean, I don't know if that's something that, you know, on reflection is like, okay, maybe we should have kind of gone in that direction more in terms of sharing the, the information about the game.
1: Yeah. I mean, like uh, that's probably for the marketing director to decide okay. at the end of the day, but um, it, you know, to our earlier conversation, I think, you know, some of it just comes from uh, like previous expectations. You know, it's, it's, it's building on the legacy of this game line that's been around for a long time and so there's mm-hmm. certain expectations so anything that bucks those expectations good point you know like uh it will be a surprise and you know like uh, yeah may- maybe we should have been more upfront with it uh but uh, who can say
0: <laughs> no that's no, a good point because like i mean you're you showing these characters then you'll have the people that are loyal to the going what am i doing here <laughs> they'll, they'll they'll i mean they'll believe about anything but like you know that would have been a an extra thing that people kind of, no I, I absolutely i think i just think of it from my perspective like i just want characters i love story and everything so no that's great you know um i is there anything else uh, in terms of the high level uh of Descent? i think we covered a lot of ground but is that was there funding that kind of stood out that you want to kind of get the word out of like this was cool pay attention to this type thing for descent
1: I think we, we covered a lot. Yes. I didn't really have like, I, I, <laughs> I didn't have when, like a, a list a, of goals or anything.
0: I love when a guest says that it's like, yeah, you did that. We hit most of the points. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> I, I think I, you know, like I, I hit on like, I think, you know, I I think there's a lot of legitimate concerns from, from different avenues out there. And and like, like I kind of said, you know, it, it's a different take, right. It's trying mm-hmm. to do something a little bit unique and um. Not just in like the content we're presenting and the type of game we're presenting, but also in how we're presenting it. And so, like you know, like I understand that you know the price point is a big sticking point for people, and I totally like hear that, right? Like it, this isn't as financially accessible a game as other games, and that is mm-hmm. that sucks. Um, but across the game line, um, you know, uh, Fantasy Flight is known for supporting game lines in a very big way. Mm-hmm. Um, and like across the descent second ed line, you look at all those different products and all those different like blisters and everything else. You know, it really adds up, but you know, the burden really adds up across this this larger game line. Um, and the burden on stores to like carry everything, you know, and like I, you know, you go to your local store and want this specific descent second ed expansion. They don't have it, so you go to Amazon and they just lost out on a sale. Um uh Ledge of the Dark is gonna have expansions. But they're going to be bigger. They're going to be splashier, and they're going to condense a lot more content into, and like materials into these singular boxes that are easier for stores to carry, and means that you have to make fewer purchases. And so, at the end of the day, like um, I, I won't deny that the initial buy-in is pretty high. But yeah. like um, I think across the game line, people will find that like it's easily comparable to any other like fantasy flight game line in kind of like um kind of keeping up with this ongoing support so uh, you know i I do kind of like just want to put that perspective out there Mm -hmm. um that is not to uh deny the people who have like that concern about that initial buy-in because it is high Mm -hmm. Uh, but it is a a, a consolation at least
0: at the very least it like it makes me feel better and i hope it makes a lot of audience members feel better that a you say that <laughs> that's a very important note but b there was like many many different points of decision that you know in terms of the app being you know so costly and you're trying something with the app you're trying something unique this is not like a a thing where it's like apps just taking over everything like you know the this is there was a lot of um craft. Put into this app and like you know making it and if you don't like you don't like it but like this is it was it's an artistic vision in touch that a big money grab um you know the scenario design about like the point about accessibility like you know the pop of it is inviting in its own way you know just to kind of go back to that conversation i mean and so many different other um things that have said you know what you know we tried our best here you know i have my feelings about you know uh, d- does that upper tier need to be serviced so much uh that's my point but like i mean I, I, there's a, this a I have my point. Like everybody everybody else is from a different perspective and they're they're looking at different things. And at the end of the day, like Fantasy Fantasy Fly is doing Fantasy Fly. This is not taking anybody by surprise. And I love the point you made before. Like they've been doing this for a long, long time. So it's not like we can like, they they can't change now. It's like they're going to all of a sudden be a different company. This is just in keeping with what we've been getting from them for years and years.
1: And I I can't speak to all sorts of things coming from the company uh, in specific, but I can tell you that like, the, the the digital department the interactive department is does have cool projects in the future mm. but they're not coming for all your board games fantasy flight <laughs> has tons of not <laughs> app integrated board games they are you know that right. like it, it this is not like this slow takeover or anything there's lots of traditional board games that will be good till the end of time coming mm. all sorts of exciting ones and like ones you know like board games at you know like more accessible price points and all sorts of stuff so mm. um, uh, it, it, it is not like a herald. I, I know I've seen, you know, some people like, oh, this heralds, you know, what's happening graded next, right? Like, right. Um, it is not coming for all your board games. Happened to is... graded
0: pandemic, happened to get a ticket to ride, emigrated <laughs> Well, I, I can't and, speak
1: yeah. for Z-Man, but <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: at least at FFG. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, it's it's funny because it's like, you're no longer at FFG. So I kind of like dredged up a bunch of FFG stuff for a little while. Yeah. yeah um, but we're close. I mean, it's still your baby. <laughs> He's been a yeah, long oh, time totally. on it, so that's very cool. Um, but we're closing the door on your the chapter of your design life in terms of Fantasy Flight and other things are coming. Is it is it full steam ahead on Earthborn Rangers at this point, or do you have like other stuff hopping in the pipe or too?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, like you know, we we just came off a successful Kickstarter, so successful. I am Fantastic. barreling ahead with Earthborn Rangers. But I'll have lots of different projects in, in the future. Uh, you know, you know how the industry is. There's a lot of NDAs and stuff, so you can't talk about a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but. We just came off Kickstarter, so Earthborn Rangers. Uh, for for people who haven't heard of it, uh, you can check it out. Uh, we'll be coming out next year, and mm-hmm. um, that's that's all my attention at the moment.
0: Local uh, production has been achieved at least in North America. We're looking at it in uh, EU and all that kind of stuff. So you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely Excited those those um, goals have been met. So that's really cool. Uh Andrew Fisher, thank you so, so much for the time, the knowledge, the depth. Uh, you're very thorough. I know self-effacing when it comes to the public speaking, but you did a great job. Uh, <laughs> I, I can speak from a lot of my um my audience. Enjoyed, you know, the, the design insights that you gave, enjoyed your updates. You know, you're very thorough, you're very clear in terms of like explaining stuff with our rangers and here uh, you know, amazing job. So thank you so much for joining the show. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's fun to talk. We can change your mind, you can change the world, people. So until next time. Hello, everybody.